So it's 2019. Everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair, you need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. Raycon earbuds start off at about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and they sound just as amazing. The company was actually co-founded by Ray J, and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Melissa Etheridge, Cardi B, Brandy, J.R. Smith, and more are already obsessed. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable and so easy to take anywhere. Unlike some of your other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet, with no dangling wires or stems. And of course, they don't just look great, they sound great too. And they're perfect for listening to all your favorite iHeartRadio podcasts on the go. Raycon offers their wireless earbuds for everyone in a range of fun colors and at an unbeatable price. So go to buyraycon.com slash iHeart to get 20% off your order. That's buyraycon.com slash iHeart for 20% off Raycon wireless earbuds. If you've been eyeing a pair, now is the time to get an amazing deal. One more time, buyraycon.com slash iHeart. On the phone is one of my favorite people. I'm just going to tell you, I've been watching this dude for a long time. You hear some, you hear about his credits, and after the credits, we're going to talk about it. My next guest is an actor of great versatility. He's a two-time NAACP Image Award-winning actor, screenwriter, and author. I first saw him on the hit comedy series, Spin City, for which he received two NAACP Image Awards. While simultaneously doing double duty as sports agent Stanley on the HBO series, All Us. I'm telling you something. That all the series, series was crazy. While same that was the best. Boatman completed a recurring role on Madam Secretary. And prior to that, he did double duty as a series regular on Nickelodeon with Instant Moms, opposite my girl, Tia Myra, who I worked with on Sister Sister, and recurred as Charlie Sheen's best Charlie Sheen's best friend on the FX series Anger Management. In addition, he had a recurring series on CBS The Good Wife. The Good Fight is a spinoff. Of the of the of the of the good wife, which Michael had a recurring role as Julius Kane. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation. I'm happy to have him on my show, Michael Boatman. Hello, 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 Michael. <laughs> happy to be here. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. <laughs> you know, yes, sir, man. I've been I've been I've been very fortunate. Happy to say. Well, you know, the thing about it is that. Um, you 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 played all your roles with comedic dignity, you know. Right. what I'm saying is that is that like right now? Are you playing a lawyer right now? Correct. I am. Yes. Okay. I cool. am on the good fight. Like like on and, and and so you've always when I said comedic dignity, you've been able to take all these white collar jobs and make them funny. <laughs> am yeah. I correct in saying that? Uh, yes, absolutely. And you know, I've always thought about you know the kinds of roles and the kinds of actors when I was a kid, you know, I, I didn't know when I was a kid that I wanted to be an actor. I, I really wanted actually a career in the sciences. I was always interested in um, the ocean and I was interested in space. I mean, what little kid hasn't said that they wanted to be an astronaut, but you know, I wanted to be an astronaut for a while. And so the arts and performance wasn't really something that I, I paid attention to, but I, I, I did always, for some reason, I was always, drawn to, you know, in like in Chicago where I grew up, we had this great public television channel, WTTW, and they had theater. They would have plays and things on, on, on late nights on Sundays, and for some reason that stuff sort of drew me, and I was just sort of always interested in it, but I thought I was going to be, you know, off 
figuring out how the ocean works or, you know, solar energy <laughs> or something. And, and then life took turns the way life does. And I found myself, uh, I became an actor and found something that I also really love to do. And so, um, you know, it's just, it's just funny how, you know, obviously life, you know, it can throw curves at you and you take lemons and make lemonade, I guess, you know. Well, you've been making a punch. Uh, uh, strawberry soda, uh, 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 you know, root beer floats. You've been, you yes, know, let, let's talk about, uh, you know, when I first saw you. I first saw you, I guess I kind of saw you on two things. I saw you on Spin City and then Arliss. And, yeah. Arliss, and those yes, are sir. really two different shows. One was network mm-hmm. television and then one was cable, which they could go edgy. They can go edgy. Mm-hmm. Okay. How were you able to balance those two different scripts, those two different writing styles? And But then here's the yeah. funny part about it. I said, the, the, I guess the compliment, you did not, you were not the same character on both shows. Yeah. You know, it was funny. Those jobs came around uh, almost actually, strangely enough, on the same day. And um, I had auditioned and met both of them. This would have been in 1996 now. Yes, sir. And um, Carter Haywood, who was the character I played on Spin City, um, was an activist and you know, sort of a loudmouth and kind of a troublemaker. And um, Stanley, who uh, Stanley Babson, who was the uh, the money maker, the money man on uh, for the Arliss Michaels um, sports agency firm, which was on Arliss, was uh, kind of stiff and conservative. And and um, I just enjoyed both sort of trying to play sort of both extremes. You know, both of those characters kind of had their own kind of comic dignity, as you as you sort of noted, but. You know, I'm always interested, I think most actors are interested in, in kind of what makes people tick and the way people move and the way people speak. And so I, I always found, I mean, you know, any actor sort of takes elements that he, he or she finds within himself or herself and, and tries to sort of magnify them. And so it was, it was just fun. I mean, we fortunately um, shot at different times of the year. So Spin City, we would start in September in the fall and right. finish in May, late May, and that usually meant we, I would start up, you know, I'd finish Spin City just in time to head out to L.A. We shot Spin City in New York. We'd finish there, and I'd head out to L.A. and for three months, spend three months in L.A. working on our list. And so I had a great amount of time to kind of, you know, constantly sort of be thinking about both characters and kind of, and of course, obviously, the demands of every episode are different. And that you basically are the character the script needs you to be that week. So, um, but they always and any good writer, like any great great writing staff that I've worked with on all the shows I've done, they they also see what the actor can do and what they're good at, and they sort of begin to write toward those strengths. And so I was very fortunate in both of those instances. You know, I'm just shouting out some of the big names, you know. But he's he's worked mm-hmm. with, like I said, Tia Mari, you know, our producer, oh, yeah. and sister, sister. One of my favorite human beings on the planet. Oh my God, I loved working with her on Instant Mom. She was just, she's just, she's fantastic. She's just a fantastic person. Just positive and just just a a bright light at all times, as you know. Yes, and I'm going to throw another name there, uh, Sherry Shepard. You know, another. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, Sherry, Sherry, listen, that's a fun, Sherry Shepard and I, (laughs) <laughs> we didn't know it at the time. We grew up on the same block in Chicago, on the south side of Chicago. Wow. But our grandmothers were actually very good friends. I knew Sherry's grandmother because she was Mrs. Shepherd, the lady who used to run the block <laughs> club and would come around, you know, right, once, right. 
twice a year to uh, collect for the block club and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But And her grandchildren spent part of the year living with her, but we didn't know that because they were, you know, uh, Miss Shepard kind of lived on the end of our block. Mm-hmm. And because they they, they spent, uh, you know, I guess some part of the year, uh, you know, with their uh, parents. But in some strange, I, I, somehow we missed each other and we didn't know. And when I worked with Sherry on her show, mm-hmm. he told me um, that she grew up in Chicago. I said, no, you didn't. Where did you grow up in Chicago? <laughs> right, 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 right. She said 76 and Carpenter, which was the street I grew up on. I said, it can't be 76 and Carpenter. I grew up on 76 and Carpenter, and I didn't know you. I knew everybody on my block. You know, we, we had that conversation. It turned out her grandmother had told her years after I had left, I'm a little older than she mm-hmm. years I, after I had left, oh, you got to watch out. When you get to Hollywood, there's a boy out there who grew up down the street. Mm-hmm. Well, what's his name, Grandma, she would say. And uh, Mrs. Shepard said, I don't remember, but watch out for him. That's he hot. lives down the street. That's hot. So Sherry, went, Sherry said she went around for 10 years trying to figure out who, who this young boy man down was the street. that was working. Ooh, cool. and, right, and she just forgot all about it until we just happened to be sitting on the set one day eating lunch. And where'd you grow up, Chicago? Oh, me too. Where? That's south hot. side. What? Well, me hot. too. Where on the south side? And cool. all of a sudden, it was like... She said no, and it, we we grew up on the same block. Hey, Mark, Michael, hold that thought. We're going to be back on uh, another break to talk about uh, your show, The uh, the Good Fight. Uh, we'll be back with more money-making conversations with Michael Boatman. Cool. Um, you're back listening to Money-Making Conversation, and guess who? Your host is Rashawn McDonald. On the phone is, uh, I want to say, from a visual standpoint, he's a good friend. Because I've been watching him, laughing with him, admiring the career he's put together over the years. Uh, uh, born in uh, Colorado Springs, raised in the mean streets of Chicago. <laughs> and he's worked both coasts, success on the East Coast, success on the West Coast. Uh, uh, the resume that allows him to uh, woman die out loose to Madam Secretary. That's a resume. To spend the city, to his new show, The Good Fight. Welcome back to the show. Michael Boatman. Hello, hello. Hey, Michael. Um, we're just laughing about these good people. And uh, I know you get interviewed a lot. And uh, the, the cool thing about my show is that a lot of people that you know, I know. And so when I bring up mm-hmm. their names, it's relationships that have allowed me to sustain a career. Talk about relationships that have helped you sustain your rather successful and lengthy career and still going on career. You know, it's interesting because relationships have been very critical in, 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 in ways that I think are kind of commonsensical, but maybe people don't think about it. The one thing I, I have been able to observe in my time in Hollywood is that people like to work with people they like. They like to work with people with good, positive attitudes. And I've been very fortunate in that way. I've worked with a lot of folks who, you know, could be, you know, a big divas or whatever, but mostly, you know, Michael J. Fox, Charlie Sheen, you know, but great, great, great folks to work with, professional, you know, always ready to work when they're at work and no bad attitudes. And, and you'd be surprised at how a negative attitude or bad, or you probably wouldn't be surprised actually, because you know it, I'm sure. (laughs) But even in a place like, in a place, well, even in a place like Hollywood, where, you know, everybody sort of thinks about egos and, and, and the way that, uh, uh, you know, big stars can sort of be depicted as misbehaving or acting like uh, tyrants or bullies or whatever. You know, people don't don't want to deal with that. In the old days, it, 
it, I guess it used to be sort of more permissible, but these days, I guess, there's so much television, there's so many movies, there's so much out there that I think there's a kind of, uh, like a process, a filter that kind of, you know, people get a bad, a bad reputation, people don't want to deal with it. And so I find that, and relationships that are good usually um, tend to kind of come back around. The writer that you worked with on your first series mm-hmm. could be an executive producer 10, 12 years down the road who goes, you know what, I like working with Boatman. He's a good guy. Let's see, you know. Mm-hmm. And that, is, that has happened for me many, many times. And so, I, you know, I've been very fortunate in, in that some of those relationships have come back in surprising ways that you never, you know, they say how you, the same people you meet on the way up are the ones you meet on the way back Absolutely. down. That is, Absolutely. there's no place truer than, than Hollywood. Well, you know, it's really interesting because I always like to tell people about relationships. I remember I was a sitcom writer. And so I had an mm-hmm. opportunity to just stay on one sitcom. And but I decided not okay. to, and I decided to go. I went from uh, uh, to the Parenthood, then I went to Arsenio Hall ABC sitcom, then I went to uh, oh, Sister yeah. Sister, then I went to the Jamie Foxx, went to the Parkers, and I started developing my own shows. And what happened to mm-hmm. me was, I met all these executive producers, I met all these directors, I met all these writers, and so yeah. they always. And I was a hard worker. That's all he's saying. I created relationships. Yeah. So if I needed a job or needed a script or I was low on funds. I could call a friend who was a, run, a showrunner and say, hey, yeah, can I come in and write a script? And the script will pay you like $16,000. So writing a right, script, you right. write two or three of those scripts, you know, you have $48,000, dollars $60,000, depending mm-hmm. on how many you get. That's a nice little income right. just sitting around writing scripts, but that's based on relationships. And that's what I wanted people to understand, that Michael, as talented as he is, he's smart enough to realize when I get on set, I don't have an attitude. They tell me to show up on right. time, I show up earlier than on time. And yeah, I'm there to absolutely. win. I'm there to win. And that's really important. So yeah. am I am I correcting what I'm saying there, Michael? You're very correct. And I mean, it, because apart from also being, you know, someone that people want to work with because of, they help create a good work environment, you also got to be able to deliver the goods when it's time, you know, because that also helps. It's not like, well, he's a nice guy, but he's, you know, not very good. I mean, I was fortunate enough to have discovered something that I, I really like to do and that I enjoy and, in fact, love doing. And so, you know, I studied. I went to Western Illinois University. I, you know, I was a drama major there. And when I was in college, I had no idea about TV and film. I didn't think anything <laughs> about it. I was a theater person. And my plan at the time was that I was going to, you know, graduate and do regional theater for a while and then go back and get my master's degree and teach. But then I got this film called Hamburger Hill, which was 1980. Oh, you were young in that one. You were young in that one. (laughs) Oh, yes, sir. (laughs) You barely had a mustache in that one. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, man. I don't think I had any facial hair at that point. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, But I had had hair on top of my head. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I remember that helmet. I remember that helmet coming down on it. (laughs) Yes, sir. And so, you know, the one thing that I've always prided myself in, in as an actor is trying to you know, find opportunities to keep working, even if it may not necessarily be a payday, but it's always something that you're either creating a, re- a relationship, you're doing good work for someone, you're you're expanding your own abilities, you hope, and, uh, you know, just sort of trying to keep yourself sharp. And so that's why I think also for me it's been beneficial to be able to do, to work in comedy and drama, you know, I mean, right. sort of do both. Because some Back when, back when I started, you you were really only kind of allowed to do, you know, you were a drama actor or right. you were a comedy actor or you were a film actor, right. you know what I mean? 
and um, I, I've just been fortunate enough, I guess, in that I, I, I love comedy. I love doing comedy. My very first TV job, though, was China Beach, which was a drama. Absolutely. And that was, you know, way back in the 80s. And so I think being versatile and, and being able to sort of be flexible. Which and, and in this being economy, versatile, but, you know, but I want to say this, ageless, though. You look good well, now. Well, thank you. You look good now. <laughs> You know, you look good, and I and, and well, that that's yeah. really that looks you know important. What, you know what they say. Well, I know, but hey, we all some people of us. Some of they say that, but there's some of us out there cracking though. We cracking. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, I know. So they need to stop. They need to stop that lie, Michael. They need to stop that lie. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're <laughs> you right. look good, and God right. has blessed you, my friend. Okay, but before Thank we get off there, I, I want I'll be remiss. Uh, it started the third season in March of The Good Fight. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that show and uh, what can we expect and what, what do you like about the character? Well, you know, okay, so I've started playing this character, Julius Kane on The Good Wife. I was there over over the course of nine seasons. I showed up, you know, I wasn't a regular. I was a recurring character, so I came in when they needed me. And he was kind of a mystery, and, and, and which I liked. You never really kind of knew where he was going to come from. So if he had to be a hatchet man for one episode, he was a hatchet man. If he was the guy that needed to smooth something over, he was that guy. Then they spun off Good Wife for CBS All Access, which is the, the channel we're on, the streaming service we're on now, with the great Christine Baranski, who plays Diane, Diane Lockhart, who is working at an all-African-American firm, law firm in Chicago. And um, so they... Julius Kane um, is now uh, the managing partner at this law firm, and uh, 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 people, your your fan, your audience may be a little surprised to hear, as mm. I was surprised to learn, but Julius is revealed to be a Trump supporter in the first season. <laughs> <of> <laughs> uh, I love you heard it. I, I love you heard it. I had you heard I had to, I had to lay the groundwork for that. Yes, sir. Was, yes, sir. When, they, when they told me they, when they told me they were thinking about it, I said, "He's a what? He's a, yeah. Oh, okay. Well." I, right. you, I told you a good actor. I told you a good actor now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you man, you don't even understand the challenges. But listen, what it, it what it's done has helped me to be a little more patient in listening to people who who express ideas mm -hmm. with which I may vehemently disagree. Uh, because obviously, it's a character who was around before they decided what his politics were. Right. So that sort of became you know, uh, a whole new uh, area to explore. And and so he's the only conservative in, in this liberal African-American law firm. And, and obviously there's a lot of conflict, but it's fun. And they play it for, for I don't want to say that we play it for laughs, but because the, the current situation is, you know, there's a, there's a lot of comedy there um, right. Right. in the political realm on both sides of the aisle. And well, so that's they, what I was they, saying they is, great job. that's your gift. Your gift is the ability to, to, to take these white-collar roles mm -hmm. and squeeze mm -hmm. natural comedy out of it. You know, and sometimes, and I would tell you this, as a writer, uh, a sitcom, mm -hmm. I would, sometimes you write a line and then a very good actor will make a room laugh on the line. You go, the joke wasn't there. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm talking about. You go, the joke wasn't there, but you, you, your ability to have a career and making these jokes and making us laugh, I think is is uh, is amazing. And I, I'm, I'm I just yeah. want to say that, uh, thank you, man. Thank you for uh, being you. I gotta say that. Thank you for this journey of just watching your resume, and if and you are a blessing to African Americans because of the fact that 
you show dignity. And in the world when reality shows were taking over and uh, we had no black people or no African-Americans to, to call upon with respect, you was on TV, brother. And I want to thank you. Oh, man. I want to thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I want to thank you. I appreciate you. that very much. Thank A- you. Again, he's on my show, Money Made Conversation. You can catch him on The Good Fight. That's on CBS. He plays a lawyer. Please, everybody, applause. My man, Michael Boatman. Listening makes us smarter, more connected people. It makes us better partners, parents, and leaders. And there's no better place to start listening than Audible. Audible is where so many inspiring voices and compelling stories open listeners up to new experiences and ways of thinking. Audible members now get more than ever before. Members choose three titles every month, one audiobook plus two Audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else. Members also have unlimited access to more than 100 audio-guided fitness and meditation programs. Audible delivers bestsellers, business, self-improvement, memoirs, and more, all professionally narrated by actors, authors, and motivational superstars like Rachel Hollis, David Goggins, and Mel Robbins. Audible members can also get free access to the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Washington Post delivered daily to the Audible app. With the convenient app, members can access Audible anytime, at the gym, while commuting, or on the go, and on any device. We'll always pick right back up where you left off. Audible also offers free and easy audiobook exchanges, credits you can roll over for a year, and a library you keep forever even if you cancel. Explore all the ways listening on Audible can help improve mind, body, and soul with entertainment, information, and inspiration. You can get titles from your favorite iHeart talent such as Chelsea Handler, Danny Shapiro, Charlemagne the God, and Bobby Bones on Audible. Start listening now with a 30-day Audible trial and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals are free. Visit audible.com slash iHeart or text iHeart to 500-500.